Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. So this is a special day that we identify with the persecuted church. So we're, we're going to watch a, a short video related to that. And then uh, we'll pray together. One body in Christ. When some Christians suffer, all Christians suffer. Hello, I'm Tony Perkins, President of the Family Research Council here in Washington, D.C. According to Open Doors USA, this past year was the worst year in modern history for Christian persecution. In North Korea, Christians are currently being persecuted in prison camps. In Kenya, during one terrorist attack, Christian students were targeted based on their religion. We know that Daesh has executed Christians solely because of their faith that it executed 49 Coptic and Ethiopian Christians in Libya, and that it has also forced Christian women and girls into sexual slavery. Pakistan saw a Christian husband and his pregnant wife burned alive by a mob of 1,200 people. And in Syria, ISIS has driven 700,000 Christians from their homes. In Iraq, over 140,000 Christians have fled for their lives. Their homes marked with the Arabic letter N for Nazarani meaning followers of the Nazarene. Yet there is hope. Listen to these Iraqi Christian girls. What are your feelings towards those who drove you out of your home? I won't do anything to them. Only ask God to forgive them. Jesus will be with us no matter where we go. Even here in this camp? Yes. Where is Jesus? In our hearts. Today, we're asking you to do three things. First, go to frc.org stand. On the website, you'll find a prayer guide. Download it and pray. Second, participate in practical ministry. Contact one of our partner ministries, which are actually helping the persecuted on the ground where they live. Third, here in America, promote policies that protect the persecuted. Having done everything, let's stand with the persecuted. We could turn the lights back on in here. Uh, <clears throat> in the back, I printed off some copies of the prayer guide for the persecuted church that you can take with you, and it's it's got websites for Voice of the Martyrs and many of the other organizations that they listed in, in the video. Uh, <clears throat> It's it's sad that uh, we're we're in the most difficult time ever uh, for the church, at least in modern times, uh, in terms of persecution. So let's let's pray together for our brothers and sisters as we were to bear one another's burdens and rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So, Lord, today we mourn with those who mourn uh, the injury and, and death of your people across the earth. Uh, Lord, we, we stand with them in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we pray that 
that our nation would use its power and influence to reduce persecution of your people across the earth. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen your people to stand in the midst of persecution. Lord, that you would bless them. Watch over them, protect them, guide them by your Spirit. And Lord, we we ask that our religious freedoms and liberties would, would be protected here, that we could continue to meet publicly, freely, in your name. And, and Lord, even protect those who have been persecuted for your name here and, and bless them and strengthen them for the glory of your Son. Amen. Yeah, First Peter four twelve through 14 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And I I believe there's special... Pardon? Am I a little low? You want to turn me up just a little? Um, <clears throat> I, I believe there is a, a special grace that the Lord gives um, for His people when they're persecuted, and, and particularly when when they're martyred. Um, there, there are so many, even modern stories, uh, like Stephen when when he was the first martyr and and he was he was looking up in, into heaven not crying out in pain uh, so there there must have been grace and, and and we know he he saw right into where he was going uh, uh, so yes we we stand with our brothers and sisters and I, I encourage you to to pick up one of these uh, on the on the back counter when you leave today. So I, a couple weeks ago, um, uh, I gave a message on being a, a people of one thing, and I, I shared a little bit of Psalm twenty-seven during worship. That's it's one of the passages that that relates to being a people of one thing. Um, But also the passage in Luke 10 that gives the story of Mary of Bethany and and her sister Martha. But I 
I felt like uh, we we needed to unpack that a little bit more. What what it means to to be a people of one thing. Because Jesus made a statement in that passage in in Luke ten that is is rather astounding. Uh, when when we really look at what he was saying. So so let's let's go to that Luke 10 starting in verse 38. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us your spirit to instruct us and give us light and revelation. And, and Lord, we ask for light and revelation to be obedient to your Son, to understand your Son, to obey your Son, and and to be fruitful. So Lord, bless us today with wisdom and revelation. In Jesus' name. So Luke 10, starting in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So, <clears throat> for Jesus to say, and, and some translations say, but only one thing is necessary. I, I want to know what that one thing is. If, <laughs> if only one thing is necessary, don't you want to know what that one thing is? And don't you want to focus on that one thing? If only one thing is necessary or required, and that uh, Greek word that's translated necessary is that in which one is employed, what is needed, or what is a necessity. So there's only one thing that we need to be employed with, with our life, there's there's only one thing that's needed. There's only one thing that's necessary. That's that's what Jesus was saying, and and from from the context of of the conversation, it it might look like sitting at Jesus' feet and listening is is the one thing, and. That that certainly is uh, <laughs> that that certainly is an example of 
the one thing. But I, I think the one thing can be understood in, in a slightly broader context than, than just to sit at Jesus' feet and, and listen. But understand that, that that is part of the answer. As I, I would go back or, or go forward in the New Testament to the book of John and, and look at John 15, 4 and 5, where, where Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So I, I think the one thing really is abiding. It's, it's living in Christ and that's what abiding means, to live in, to dwell in. So the one thing is to live our life abiding in, living in connection with Christ Jesus. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, I, I think that that manifests itself or shows itself by being preoccupied in, in our mind with him and, and what he wants. And, you know, Jesus said something else um, <clears throat> in John chapter 5 that he could do nothing but what he saw the Father doing. So that's part of the preoccupation. That's, that's part of the one thing. It's being preoccupied with what God is doing. And, and then finding our part in, in what he's doing and, and doing that. I, I think that is uh, probably the best explanation of the one thing <laughs> that's necessary that, that I can come up with. And so, you know, the, the hard part is how do we develop, how, how do we gain this preoccupation with God and, and what he's doing so that we bear fruit and, and so that we do the will of God rather than being like Mary who was uh, upset and distracted by many things. 
Martha. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> because Martha's problem wasn't that she was busy doing things and, and serving. I mean, she was doing things that, that needed to be done. Her, her problem was that Jesus was right there and, and she was totally distracted from him. And, you know, what, what that shows me is it's, it's doubly hard for us to do the one thing because he's not sitting right in front of us in, in the room where we are. <laughs> uh, he is with us, but, but he's, he's not physically present so that we can actually see him and listen physically to, to what he's saying. So there's, there's a, a spiritual aspect to this one thing that, that we have to seek after. Uh, it's, in other words, it, it's not something to, to do the one thing that's necessary. It's, it's not going to be an easy pursuit. It's, it's not going to be uh, something that, that just happens to come forth in our life with, without focused pursuit. And, and I think that that is is what we have to grasp. Uh, you know, I I talked uh, a, a couple years ago, I think, about changing the home page of of our mind <laughs> to the things of heaven. And you know, how often do you have to do that? Well, how, how many times per minute <laughs> do you have to do that? Or how many times per hour do you, do you have to do that? Uh, it, it's not something that, that we do once. Because our, our mind, it's, it's not in a, in a static state. Our, our mind is not like a lake. It's, it's more like a stream. And, and there's just there's just stuff that's always going through our mind, and and it's new stuff every second, and and to to get our mind focused <laughs> takes focus, <laughs> and it, and it, it takes uh, persistence to to get to where. Uh, it's it's coming back to one thing, and and that's you know I'm I'm speaking of my own journey here, and you know there there are times that I've done better in in being a person of one thing, and there there are times that I've not done nearly as well when I've become like Martha and become distracted by many things. And and you know it's it's especially difficult I think for us in our culture because we 
we have so many things and, and we are about so many things and so we we have to give all those many things a, a certain amount of airtime in in our mind in, in our brain uh, so we have to keep bringing it back <laughs> to the one thing <laughs> and like I said it's it's a pursuit that's that's worth the effort uh but but it is a pursuit and uh you know a, a couple verses that confirm the necessity of the priority <laughs> of the pursuit uh or Jeremiah 29 and Hebrews 11, we're, we're, we're familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11, but that wonderful passage has, has more in it than, than just verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not evil to give you a future and a hope. And and Jeremiah is, is speaking about the people going into this captivity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, think, things are about to get bad, but, but remember that I have good plans for you to give you a future and a hope. You will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now there's the key. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. But the key there is you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It, it can't be just uh, something that, that we do w without focus or, or without priority. And, and Hebrews 11.6 is similar Without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Some translations say diligently seek him. So there's, there's an earnestness, a, a diligence to the seeking of the Lord that's part of the promise of our finding him. And, you know, I, I wish we had more details of, of David's younger life when, when he was developing that relationship that he had with the Lord and um, <clears throat> as he got older and, and he was writing so many of the Psalms, uh, he had some experiences with the Lord that that no doubt came out of 
diligently seeking and and seeking with with all of his heart so you know how how do we bring this forth uh, because the, it's it's the life of Jesus that that we need. It's the life of Jesus within us that the world needs. It, it's not just our life that that the world needs. It, it's the life of Jesus within us. And you know, I, I've been speaking about how we have been crucified with Christ, and that it is no longer we who live, but Christ lives in us. And and that is what this one thing that I'm talking about is how that happens. Uh, because otherwise, you know, with, without the focused pursuit, with without the diligently seeking, it it ends up being our dead life that that comes back out. Because we. We we still do have two lives. <laughs> there there is the, the old person that that was crucified with Christ in a real spiritual sense, and there is the new man in Christ, the new woman in Christ, that needs to come forth with the life of heaven, but that life needs to be fed daily. And, and and that is part of even the Lord's Prayer. Give give us this day our daily bread was spoken by the same one who said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. I don't think Jesus was telling us to pray that we would have physical food to eat every day. I think he was telling us to ask for the life of heaven, his life, to to be given to us as as we seek him every day. And we would eat that spiritual bread that comes forth from from our seeking. I I, I really I think that's the key. So, as I was uh, preparing the message today, uh, I ran across a book. Um, Letters by a Modern Mystic by Frank C. Laubach. And in, in one of my times when I was doing better, in the pursuit of one thing, I was reading this book and and really being challenged and and really getting something out of it. Uh, I, I mentioned practicing the presence of God by Brother Lawrence as as another book a couple weeks ago uh, that's very good about pursuing the one thing because what what Frank Laubach found and what Brother Lawrence found is that we can do all those 
necessary parts of our life, the, the work that we do, the, the relationships that we're in, we, we can do all those things and still be focused on the one thing. And, and for Brother Lawrence, it was, you know, he, he was in a, a monastery and his responsibility was washing the dishes. And, and so, granted, it, it, it doesn't take a lot of uh, mind energy <laughs> to scrub floors and, and do dishes. Uh, but he was able to get to the place where whatever he was doing, he was able to be focused on, on the one thing. And, and this uh, <clears throat> was the experience also of, of this Frank Laubach, who, who lived in a time much closer to our own than Brother Lawrence. Uh, Frank Laubach was uh, an American missionary to the Philippines in the 1930s. And uh, he, he went there and primarily he, he was uh, trying to bring Christ to Muslims. And he, he was getting very frustrated with his lack of progress. And, and so he, he came upon the idea of being a person of one thing. And, and so uh, what I want to do, I, I wanted this to be practical. Uh, and what Frank writes is, is very practical stuff. And it will challenge us. So I, I want to share with you some of the things that he's writing. And uh, these, these letters, the, uh, what's collected in this book are, are just letters that he wrote to his father uh, about his own experiences in, in trying to be a, a person of one thing. So I'm going to share with you a few insights out of this book. And this is March 9th, 1930. For the first time in my life, I know what I must do off in Lonesome Lanao, which is the Philippines. It's the place where he lives. I know why God left this aching void for himself to fill. Off on this mountain, I must do these three things. I must pursue this voyage of discovery in quest of God's will. I must because the world needs me to do it. I must plunge into mighty experiments in intercessory prayer to test my hypothesis that God needs my help to do his will for others and that my prayer releases his power. I must be his channel for the world needs me. Is that good or what? <laughs> I mean, that, we all need that. <clears throat> and third, I must confront these moros with a divine love 
which will speak Christ to them, even if I don't use his name. They must see God in me, and I must see God in them, not to change the name of their religion, but to take their hand and say, Come, let us look for God. And then he says, My job here is not to go down to the town plaza and make proselytes. It is to live wrapped in God, trembling to his thoughts, burning with his passion. And my loved one, that is the best gift you can give to your own town. You want that one again? <laughs> Yeah, so our, our job is, is not just to go out into the city and, and make converts. It is to live wrapped live a life wrapped in God. Trembling to his thoughts, burning with his passion. And my loved one, that is the best gift you can give to your own town. When we were back on 15th Street, uh, this book was was part of my devotions. <laughs> and when we had to move, it got packed away. <laughs> and I was really glad to find it this, this last week. Uh, <clears throat> because like I said, I was being challenged uh, by, by Frank Laubach. Now this is this is another really interesting insight that that he has. The most wonderful discovery and this is all part of the same letter. The most wonderful discovery that has ever come to me is that I do not have to wait until some future time for the glorious hour. I need not sing, "Oh, that will be glory for me" and wait for any grave. This hour can be heaven. Any hour for anybody can be as rich as God. For do you not see that God is trying experiments with human lives? That is why there are so many of them. He has 1,700,000,000 experiments going on around the world at this moment. And his question is, how far will this man and that woman allow me to carry them this hour? Hmm. And now there's seven billion, eight billion, <laughs> a lot more experiments going on right now. Hmm. So <laughs> he's talking about being practical here, but he's saying uh, some carpenter could be as full of God as Christ was when he drove nails as a carpenter. <laughs> some 21st century carpenter could be as full of God 
when he's driving nails as Christ was when he was driving nails as a carpenter. Some hour spent by some night watchman might be the most glorious hour ever lived on the earth. Consider that. Or, or some hour <laughs> at the hospital, or some hour at the child care center, or some hour at the refinery, or some hour at Lowe's warehouse. <laughs> he is breaking through, God is, and I think the poor have less callousness for him to overcome as a rule than have the rich. Twenty third of March, nineteen thirty. You and you and you and I do experience fine, fresh contact with God sometimes. And we do carry out his will sometimes. One question now to be put to the test is this. Can we have that contact with God all the time? All the time, awake. Fall asleep in his arms and awaken in his presence. Can we attain can we attain that? Can we do his will all the time? Can we think his thoughts all the time? That's a good question, isn't it? Because <laughs> I, I think that that is the one thing that Jesus is talking about. <clears throat> so he goes on my my problem is this can i bring god back in my mind flow every few seconds so that god shall always be in my mind as an after image shall always be one of the elements in every concept and, and every pursuit. I choose to make the rest of my life an experiment in answering that question. <laughs> Someone may be saying that this introspection and this struggle to achieve God consciousness is abnormal and perilous. I am going to take the risks, for somebody ought to do it. In this day, when psychological experimentation has given a fresh approach to our spiritual problems, somebody ought to do it. If our religious premises are correct at all, then this oneness with God is the most normal condition one can have. It is what made Christ Christ. Is it not? 
It is. <laughs> Otherwise, how could he say, I can do nothing but what I see the Father doing? And he had to see the Father doing it in order to do it. So his mind had to be occupied with heaven, with what God was doing. And if, if you go to that passage, and I actually have the passage right here, uh, <clears throat> John 5, starting in verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. And the Father loves us with the love wherewith he loved the Son. So if he loved the Son enough to show us everything that he was doing, he loves us enough to show us everything that he's doing if we will just be focused on the one thing. This, this is challenging, is it not? I mean, it, it challenges how, how we live our life. This, this is not the Christian religion that I'm talking about. <laughs> this is the pursuit of God. So, this is a, another question that he asked. Do, do we really mean what we say when we repeat the highest end of man is to find God and to do his will all of the time. Any hour of any day may be made perfect by merely choosing. It is perfect if one looks toward God that entire hour waiting for his leadership all through the hour and trying hard to do every tiny thing exactly as God wishes it done, as perfectly as possible. No emotions are necessary. Just doing of God's will perfectly makes the hour a perfect one. And the results of that one perfect hour, I believe, will echo down through eternity. Is, are you getting anything out of this? <laughs> I'm, I'm just sharing with you some <clears throat> of the things that really stuck out to me as, as I was going through this. And this is as he's making progress. I have tasted a thrill in fellowship with God which has made anything 
discordant with God, disgusting. This afternoon, the possession of God has caught me up with such sheer joy that I thought I never had known anything like it. God was so close and so amazingly lovely that I felt like melting all over with a strange, blissful contentment. Having had this experience, which comes to me now several times a week, the thrill of filth repels me, for I know its power to drag me from God. And after an hour of close friendship with God, my soul feels as clean as new-fallen snow. That is where Psalm 27 came out of. David had gotten there. <laughs> and that's, that's why he could write what he wrote in, in Psalm 27. <clears throat> just, uh, just a couple more things. Our possibilities are perhaps not limitless, but they are at least infinitely above our present possibilities of imagination. <laughs> Let me read that again. <laughs> our possibilities are perhaps not limitless, but they are at least infinitely above our present possibilities of imagination. There is nothing that we can do except to throw ourselves open to God. There is, there must be, so much more in Him than He can give us because we are so sleepy and because our capacity is so pitifully small. And, and remember, he's writing this <laughs> after, after he's been on this pursuit for, for some period of time, and, and he's getting somewhere in, in the pursuit. It ought to be tremendously helpful to be able to acquire the habit of reaching out strongly after God's thoughts and to ask, God, what have you put into my mind now if only I can be large enough. That waiting, eager attitude ought to give God the chance that he needs. I am finding every day that the best of the five or six ways in which I try to keep contact with God is for me to wait for his thoughts and to ask him to speak. I, I could go on, but <laughs> I think you get the idea. <laughs> uh, that, you know, there's, there's more. There's more of God than we have experienced. There's realms of experiencing God that, that we can get to. But the key is, is to seek him with all our heart. And, and the key is to 
seek him diligently in faith, believing that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And, and understanding that in our pursuit of him, when it appears to us from our own perspective that nothing is happening, something is happening. Because when, when we are diligently seeking him, when we're seeking him with all of our heart, and it, it seems to our senses that we're not getting anywhere, he is doing something. He, he is expanding our capacity. He is doing a work in our heart preparing us for for those times of of experience with him so our our challenge is is to continue that pursuit in faith believing that he rewards those who diligently seek him and look forward to the times that he will reveal himself to us in a conscious or, or sensory way. Because those those times will happen. And and for me, at least, uh, you know, the <laughs> that was not one of the kids. <laughs> For me, at least, uh, the the place of encounter with the Lord is is the place of worship and and the place of prayer. And and so, you know, I I think we we begin there, and and we we have our sights on on getting somewhere uh, like Brother Lawrence and, and Frank Laubach got to where they could experience God anywhere and doing anything. Because the, the capacity within them had been expanded through their seeking and, and their pursuit. And so, uh, <clears throat> I, I just I, I want to encourage us. I want to challenge us to to be a people of of one thing, and and to know that this that this is not a week long thing. This is not a month long thing. This this is not a year long thing. That this is a lifelong. This pursuit of of God, because this this is where we're going, okay? Uh, from First Peter, chapter two. You also are living stones, 
are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And skipping on to verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So for us to proclaim his excellencies, there, there is a place of encountering his excellencies that the Lord has for us. And I, I will continue on that pursuit. Will you join me? <laughs> it's it's what we were created for to know and, and, and Jesus said and this is eternal life that they would know you the one true God and that that is the eternal life that we have already entered into So I, I want to pray for us. I'm, I'm encouraged and challenged <laughs> by, by Frank. There, there is more of God for us to know and for us to experience. And, and he, he wants to reveal himself to us. But it's, it's like he said in Jeremiah 29. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's that little catch. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just... <laughs> He's inviting us. And it's, it's like Jesus' invitation uh, when he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This, this pursuit isn't, isn't something that will wear us out. Because in the waiting on God, our, our strength is renewed. It's, it's not about us doing anything for God. It's about us coming to the place where we really know Him, and then He just begins to show us what He wants us to do. And, and, and that is how His life will come forth. Mm -hmm. uh, Father, thank you for new life. 
thank you that we are new creations with spiritual capacities that, that we did not have before we were your people. So expand our spiritual capacities as, as we seek you, as we set aside time to, to just be with you. And Lord, uh, encourage us through the dry times and seasons into the times when, when you encounter us. As Lord, we, we ask for more of your life to come forth in us. There, there is a fullness <clears throat> that you have for us that we have not yet seen. So give us vision for that. And Lord, help us to seek you with all our hearts to seek you diligently, to, to be named as, as your people, the, the nation of priests that you're raising up. Thank you for calling our names. And bless us on the journey uh, that your Son would be glorified. Amen. Well, thanks for braving the crazy weather today. <laughs> uh, if anyone would like prayer, uh, you can just come up front. <clears throat>